0: I'm Dan Clawson, and this is The Zealous Podcast, where everything we do is to inspire and equip the body of Christ for the comprehensive discipleship of the next generations. I hope you are able to listen to our first episode, which set the stage for why zeal matters when it comes to passing our faith along to the next generation. Today, you will hear part two of an eight-part series in the conversation with David and Michael Sally Michael, and Jill Nelson, the founders and authors of Truth 78. The first commitment from the book, Zealous, Seven Commitments for the Discipleship of the Next Generations, is... Embrace a biblical vision for the faith of the next generation. We are passionate about helping the church see that vision-oriented ministry is crucial over the many activities and programs that we often see in next-generation ministry. May the Lord help us all be more zealous as we listen.
1: From that first conference, almost the first thing we would emphasize is the importance and the value of vision, and that you have to start with vision. And we were seeing there this a, a distinction between a vision orientation to children's ministry and an activity orientation. And I took texts like Psalm 127, 4, which talked about children being like arrows in the hand of a warrior and this idea of children being arrows, and that typically an arrow is not just shot in any random direction, but there's typically a direction. There's a point at which that arrow needs to go. And we we would talk about, in children's ministry, the importance of pointing the arrow towards something. And everybody needed to be on the same page with regard to that but yet we were seeing in the church not so much this vision orientation but a different perspective this activity orientation what how would you describe what we were seeing in the church in those days
2: it seemed for from my perspective working in children's ministry it was kind of glorified child care and lots of crafts activities fun games and you never knew from quarter to quarter what you were going to be teaching. It was like, we just made things up as we went along. And it, the question for me is, why are we doing this? What, what's the goal here? And it just was time filler. And when, you know, once you get that passion for the faith of the next generation and you want to just show these children the treasures of the Bible and biblical truth and concern for their salvation and welfare. Playing games and activities, Mm -hmm. it just, it was so frustrating because why am I doing this? Why am I investing my time in this? Um, And it was very, very frustrating and just very disheartening.
3: Well, especially when you think you have these children for one hour in Sunday school, what are you gonna do that's of of significance? You know, you don't wanna waste it uh, Singing the wheels and the bus go round and round which was part of my yeah. experience of what happened teaching preschool and I'm like I don't want to teach them the wheels and the bus go round and round I have one hour to bring something of faith into their lives or something of the word of God or the character of God or the nature of God or biblical truth and I'm reduced to having right sitting there hearing somebody lead the wheels on the bus go round and round there's
1: not so much that singing world wheels on the bus nope. go is wrong it's just we only just have an hour that's not right, i exactly. do
2: prioritizing biblical things and as a teacher the frustration someday i'm going to stand before king jesus mm-hmm. and answer did i faithfully tell the glorious deeds of the lord and the wonders he has done so that they would put their hope in Christ and if I have spent my time helping glue little cotton balls for cotton sheep and not unfolding the word for children I'm going to be accountable for that and I don't want to fail that calling that God has given all of us as parents and members of his church We've been called to do this. It's our sacred responsibility and also our privilege.
1: Yeah, And again, it's not that cotton balls on sheep is bad right. or popsicle stick, making crosses out of them. It's just, it's the stewardship of our time. If we're doing those things at the expense of doing the more valuable right. things, then, then that's why I think we're finding children kind of growing up with that experience completely out of touch. Or, with or what the when you're is.
3: doing those things you can have some significant conversation with a child one-on-one mm-hmm. about why he's making a cross and what the meaning of the cross is. And yeah, what That's one thing on that I've
1: cross. learned from you Sally especially is just in your teaching gifts that every moment no matter whether it's doing right. something like cotton balls is an opportunity to instill faith and having that mindset as teachers and, and, and part of that mindset is a direction Mm -hmm. that you're headed. In fact, um, when we've tried to help people become more vision oriented, one of the things we've said is, just imagine this child now 10, 20, 30, 60 years from now, and what do you want to be true for them? What do you envision for their lives, what kind of people do you want them to be? How do you want them thinking about God? What do you, um, how do you want them relating as men and women of God in the world? How do you want them interfacing with the culture? And all of those things help to shape this vision. Now, you have written a lot of material. You've taught a lot of classes. Talk a little bit about what's, what do you see ahead of you as you're teaching as you're writing what what is it that you envision for the next generation
3: well i think one of the verses that influences me is first is colossians 128 him we proclaim warning everyone and teaching with all w- wisdom that we may present now i'm getting it wrong but that we may present everyone mature in christ right and i'm thinking that's what i want to do i want to warn i'm going to teach with all wisdom so that i can present them mature in christ and it, not interested in raising babies (laughs) that will be babies forever. Mm -hmm. Our job is to get them into a a pattern of reading the word, loving the word, understanding it, giving them a biblical literacy, giving them a, a theology of sin, a theology of the goodness of God, a theology of the character of God, a theology of how God works in the world, so that they become mature believers and 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 that they embrace that truth not just that they know it but they embrace it i think for me too
2: the one verse that really comes to mind in this for the goal is i want my children my grandchildren the children all the children i've taught someday to stand before jesus and hear Mm -hmm well done, Amen. good and faithful servant. And I have to ask, am I doing all that God has called me to do to prepare them for that day? The outcome isn't my responsibility, that's God's work in their heart, but He uses means. And I'm to plant the seed and water and depend on God to give the growth. But to having that end goal in mind It just, and you look at the world around us, what are our children going to need to stand in Mm -hmm. this culture? Mm -hmm. I mean, it's we are like on a bullet train (laughs) to destruction, just our whole culture and society. What do our children need to stand? Not more games, not more activities. They need the word, and they need to be discipled not just with the truth, but also what it means to live the gospel.
3: I I think they need mature Christians walking alongside them. You know, in the church so often we separate the age groups. And so you have the children here, you have the teens here, you have the adults here. I remember my daughter, Christy, when she was in junior high and we were homeschooling, and so I could play with her schedule a little bit. I talked to David, I said, you know, I just, I just want her to be around more mature people. So David said, why don't you send her to the White Cross, which was the sewing circle of the church? All the older women, <laughs> Christy used to laugh because they called each other girls. Girls, let's <laughs> do this. And they were in their you know, 70s and 80s, and one of them was in her 90s. And she would go one morning a week and she would sew quilts for babies. <clears throat> but the wonderful thing about that is she got to listen to the stories of faith. Mm -hmm. of these women who had walked with the Lord for decades. And so she'd hear about the ups and downs of their lives, the hard times, the easier times, how Mm -hmm. God brought them through the hard times, the genuineness of their faith. They they influenced her heart in a way that that her own peers couldn't have because they didn't have that maturity. And so Mm -hmm. I think one of the things that is lacking is that we need to have Um, children, it's kind of like being apprentices in the church, walking alongside someone doing videotaping in the church or someone doing music in the church or just bringing up the next generation to be part of the church, not in their own separate little cell (laughs) where they don't interact with people who are in the real world living out the Christian faith.
1: Mm -hmm. Well, I've noticed, and it's obvious when you write, um, clearly there's a vision in mind. You, you have a vision of what you want to accomplish, how you want kids to think. And Jill, I, th- I think the first curriculum you did was the ABCs of God. Okay. And I know there was a heart and a passion for children to become something uh, as a result of that curriculum. Talk a little bit about your vision for
2: Well, it it came out of, John was preaching, he used to preach a series and then turn it into a book back in the old days. And he was preaching through the pleasures of God and just the God-centeredness of God. And just, he was unfolding just amazing things about God I had never learned before. And you just, my husband and I described it, it was like we came from a desert and we, we were brought to a banquet table with more things than we could even imagine and be satisfied with. And um, so what I wanted for my children is how do I explain these huge truths about God so that my children would just be swept up in that awe that my husband and I experienced as these were being unfolded from the pulpit for us. And so the ABCs. It's like, if if I never. I mean, I wasn't a curriculum writer. I was a biology major, and I could barely write.
3: <laughs> I will attest to that. Jill, a sentence has a noun and a verb, and ends with a punk, some kind of punctuation yes. mark. We but, laughed about that. Yeah, didn't we? And
2: but now was, you're a better writer than me. So it was like, if I only had one thing that I would want to give to my children and teach them. It would be the atri- a doctrine of God. That I mean, it's gospel-focused because it's the crescendo is leading up. The gospel exists to bring us near to God. Well, what is this God like? Why should I even want to be near to Him? Mm-hmm. And just, so the ABCs was just an unfolding of that. And much of the language, the, the um, emphasis in it, has that flavor that came out of the pleasures of God, of mm. God being central in all things.
1: Yeah, and what was so thrilling, so we taught that in first grade, I think it yeah. was, and so that was one of the first curriculums that we introduced at, at Bethlehem. And I mean, to this day, I'll never forget, just kids coming out of that class, having learned the letter I, <laughs> yes. God is incomprehensible, and. I mean, parents were, you know, child would come home for Sunday dinner, pray before the meal, and say, "God, I just thank you that you are incomprehensible." Yeah. And parents are just, "Where did he get this?" But can, it was just so thrilling. I think for us all to see that a first grader yep. can grasp the incomprehensibility of God,
3: and they understood what that word meant.
1: Yeah. Yes. yes, yeah, and just, I, I, just having grown up in a Christian home. And not figuring these things out until in my late twenties, I just I wanted that for my girls was just to discover this God, and not have to wait till they're 27 to see it. And and that that curriculum I think gave our people a taste of what could happen Mm -hmm. in children. And teachers were getting excited by this as well. And one of the first ones that you did, Sally, was the promises of God, which in our scope and sequence followed God's attributes. And I will not forget the summer that you worked on that curriculum. And I don't think I've ever seen you more passionate about getting a truth down that we could actually teach to children. What, what was going on in your that, heart at that <clears> throat> point?
3: Throat> that curriculum bore, bo- was born out of my own experience. Our oldest daughter, Amy, was adopted from Ecuador, and it took us 14 months to get her. We never knew if we would get her. The um, American Embassy said, "You'll never get her. Forget about her." And I thought, uh-uh, that's my child. And <clears throat> the whole country closed down adoptions. But what held me in that time? I think it was the first suffering that I'd had in my Christian life. kind of I was saved at 13. Kind of figured. Well, if you're a Christian, then things go well for you. That was, was something I needed to unlearn. <laughs> but um, that experience of 14 months of, you know, believing that God would do, bring this adoption about. Uh, what what held me through that were the promises in the Word. Promises like Psalm 40, I waited patiently for the Lord. He inclined to me and heard my cry. He lifted me out of the miry pit, out of the desolate bog, and set my feet upon a rock, making my steps secure. Many will see in fear. I mean, just that whole psalm toward the middle of the psalm. It says, Lo in the roll of thy book, it is written in me. I delight to do your will. I was not delighting in it. It was hard. But what held me in that? were all of the promises in the Word that I could say as a Christian were mine. Which doesn't mean life turns out exactly the way you want, but God is faithful to keep His promises. And so I wanted children to have that root to hang on to when they come across difficulties in life. Mm-hmm. Promises like, weeping endures for the night, but joy comes in the morning. Many of the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers them out of them all. I mean, they're the myriad this light and momentary affliction is gaining for us an eternal weight of glory i mean all of those kinds of promises and not just promises about suffering promises about heaven promises about the goodness of god promises about his character i mean i wanted children to have that embedded in their souls so they had that to hang on to when life was good and when life was really hard
2: yeah. Well well just the drawing power just in god's attributes the promises The world is offering counterfeits to our children. You know, sports is more exciting than God. Um, You know, playing with a friend is more exciting than God. Money will promise you great things, Mm -hmm. uh, a great job, a great marriage. The world is filled with counterfeits, trying to tease our children in a God-opposite direction. and. What will we counter that with, if not that God is supremely more valuable Mm -hmm. and worthy than any treasure the world could? God has promises for his children that go beyond our wildest imagination of anything the world could provide. And you just look at the last year with COVID, Mm -hmm. the promises Mm -hmm. of this world have kind of gone poof. (laughs) I mean, one little tiny virus can shut down a world and but we have an amazing god who's more than we can fully understand who is the greatest treasure of all who has unshakable promises Mm -hmm. for his people Mm -hmm. and you don't wait till you're an adult and you've already been so steeped in the world that it's like you can't even you know, imagine life out there. I wanted my children, the children of the church, I wanted them to see that from the very beginning, to be drawn in to all that God is for His people. Mm
3: -hmm. And and when you see, that, like this past year, all the shaking that has happened in this world, I just think it's unnerving for children. But if you have something like Psalm 125, 1 and 2, in your heart, not just in your mind memorized, but also in your heart, Um, those who trust in the Lord are like Mount Zion, which cannot be shaken as the mountains surround Jerusalem, but endures forever. As the mountains surround Jerusalem, so the Lord um, surrounds His people both now and forevermore. I mean, that's an unshakable truth that shows you an eternal God who is never shaken, and therefore you can rest in the fact that he, he's he's not he's not being shaken by what's going on right. he's totally in control he's he is surrounding you he cannot just you can't be shaken as long as you're trusting in him and i think it gives children a place of safety and rest and comfort and assurance and um, stability that this world is never going to offer because it is not eternal only god is eternal
1: yeah and I think tied very closely to that is Probably another what for me I think is one of our most important curriculum on the Providence of God and I, I was more, most eager as you know Sally to see that one written because as a pastor uh, finding interacting with adults who when 9-11 happened when viruses happen earthquakes tsunamis um, and innocent people lose their lives and or
3: even simple things like losing your job
1: right and just and so many people having this view of god who loves me and has a wonderful plan for my life which he does but as soon as life starts not feeling wonderful um, they start asking where's god in the midst mm-hmm. of all of this suffering in you know if if god is big enough to control a, virus why doesn't he why why does my grandma have to die from this virus and so those kind of questions i remember one person just saying if if that's the kind of god god is i don't want anything to do with him because not because god is evil or god is mean or doesn't care about his people it's just because they don't understand this god who has been establishing his purposes from before the foundation of the world and uh, and that those glorious sovereign purposes are unfolding and if we could just get a glimpse of what God is up to yeah. Yeah. we'd be amazed and I just wanted so much for our children to be able to see that God that's probably under more than anything under John's preaching, it was that reality that there's purpose and design to everything that's happening, including my own salvation. I was working at the time with, with inner city people, struggling in many ways and far from God. I can just remember going into that thinking, um, if, if I could just love them into the kingdom, and if I could, um, I could persuade them of the beauty of the gospel and, and confronted with the reality of a hard heart and the impossibility, it seemed, of these people um, ever turning to Christ and realizing and watching, in some cases, people who were as hard as rocks against God and this glorious, purposeful God sometimes through suffering opening their eyes to his glory and my passion has been for our kids to see that and that curriculum really opens their eyes not only for the kids but the people who are teaching it and so so vision is what and what we just even heard here is it's this vision this passion for the vision that drives us to keep going and we call the book zealous because it's it's not just faithful teaching but it's just this relentless passion to impart these glorious truths to our children
2: you know john had a quote from a sermon on education for exaltation was the sermon series which is excellent where he laid a vision yeah the pulpit for the whole church of why is biblical education to all the members of our church important from the nursery on up. And the title, as the title suggests, it's for exaltation. We, We give our children biblical truth so they will become worshipers. But one of the quotes in there, and I don't have it exactly, but he talked about when we teach, if we're not teaching with that mm-hmm. passion and urgency if we're teaching in a half-hearted member teaching in a half-hearted way we're not really teaching biblically mm-hmm. that we're to teach with praise we're to teach the next generation out of a fullness of praise to god there there's a type of teaching in other words that lifts up and inspires worship and praise and if we just are sitting down with our children and reading a bible passage just Mm -hmm. for the so well we've read our bible passage today that in our children's minds it's just going to become well this is what we do instead of this is who we are. Mm -hmm.
1: Right, so we've been talking about the importance of vision. We've been talking about the importance of emphasizing discipleship in the church. And what we are saying is that both the church and parents have to be on the same page, which is why in our second commitment, we emphasize fostering a robust partnership between the church and the home.
0: Thanks for joining us for this episode of Zealous. We trust you have been blessed by this conversation between David, Sally, and Jill as they explained what it looks like to embrace a biblical vision for the faith of the next generation. We want to do all we can to assist you in ministering to children and youth and provide resources and training to do just that. Visit truth78.org backslash zealous for more information, special discounts and offers, and if you haven't downloaded it yet, your free guide to growing zeal for the discipleship of the next generations. You will not want to miss our next episode, which is completely focused on fostering a partnership between the church and the home, the two institutions established by God for the discipleship of the next generation. May we all seek to foster a robust partnership between those two God-created institutions in this great and God-glorifying pursuit. Now, may the Lord grant us to be zealous together that the next generations might know, honor, and treasure God, setting their hope in Christ alone, so that they will live as faithful disciples for the glory of God.